the world. Let's talk sports. Hello, people and football fans, probably. This is Alex with the Award Winning Podcast Podcast. I'm joined today by a special guest yet another time, Mr. Tyler Dojan. Hey, everyone. Um, we're going to be doing another top 10 list. It's going to be wonderful. So hope you enjoy it. This one's going to be about defensive tackles. It's, uh, this is a position that I played for like my entire high school career because I didn't have any skill set otherwise, uh, other than being big. So that was, uh, this is the only position I really played. It's a great position. It's fun. It, I mean, you get to hurt people sometimes, and that's fun. Hmm. But, <laughs> but uh, so what we're going to be talking about is the top 10 defensive tackles that we, uh, at least in our list. Um, I'm guessing there's going to be a few guys that make the list on both sides that are pretty high up, just a hunch. But uh, I guess we'll just go ahead and get to it. Um, you want to go ahead and share your best of the rest, the guys that didn't quite make the list? Sure. Um, I don't have any this week. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, that's easy enough. <laughs> I've got mine here. I've got a handful of guys. Uh, I've got Randy White of the uh, 70s Cowboys, the Doomsday. He was great, but he didn't quite make it. I also have uh, one of the longtime Bears who is severely underrated and absolutely should be on this list. I just couldn't find a way to get on here as uh, Steve McMichael from the 80s Bears. I uh, also have Jerome Brown of the Eagles who tragically died short of having a whole career. He was amazing, but obviously just didn't quite play long enough. Um, and the, that factored into him not getting in versus the other guys. And then longtime stalwart nose tackle Casey Hampton uh, of the Steelers. He was one of the best nose tackles to ever do it. Uh, the unfortunate part of being a great nose tackle is oftentimes your, uh, your impact is not necessarily recognized because you don't put up great statistics. But he was a big reason why some of those Steelers defenses were amazing. Um, he would take up two or three blockers on every down and uh, free up James Harrison and those guys to just go murder a quarterback. But yeah, that's my uh, best of the rest. I feel kind of bad, especially about Steve McMichael, just because he's one of those guys that should be talked about a lot more often. Probably deserves to be a Hall of Famer. He's one of the all-time leaders at sacks for a defensive tackle. And... Uh, it's just a shame. Also, he was a great WWF wrestler. So, well, I mean, if you're a wrestler, you're automatically like in the the shrine, right? It should be. Hmm. Uh, oh, okay. So let's just go ahead and get right into the list. Um, I'll let you go first with your number ten. All right. Um, I don't think many people would know this guy, but I do being a Niners fan. And his name is Leo Nominelli. Who? Do you know who he is? I don't. He is actually the first pick in 49ers franchise. History? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Was he any good? Yeah. He was a six-time first-team All-Pro. Nice. Uh, well, that's cool. I mean, I believe he went to Notre Dame. I could be wrong, but I think he did. But, that's, yeah, he's, uh, you're obviously you're not going to find any statistics on him because he's from the 50s. Right. So, yeah, I was going to say, didn't the Niners, like, just not exist before Joe Montana got there? Um. Well, I mean, Joe Montana was part of it, but they really didn't exist until Jerry Rice got there a few years later. Right. Then, then they really ramped up things. But yeah. So, anyways, um, my number ten is the first pick in NFL or in Niners history. All right. Cool. Uh, 
I mean, I, I, I literally have never heard of the guy, so it's hard for me to argue against him or for him. Uh, that's cool. He's got a sweet last name, too. He does. I'm guessing he is Italian. Yeah, he's part of the mafia. <laughs> Probably. Um, anyway, I'll go ahead and get to another strange name at my number 10. Uh, this is a little bit of a tweener because he played it mostly in a 3-4. And you could argue he was a D-end or a D-tackle. I have him listed as a tackle because that was basically what his role was. Uh, Haloti Nada from the uh, Ravens. And currently for the Detroit Lions, right? I don't think he's – I think he retired. Uh, who am I thinking? I'm not sure. Okay. Well, there's someone on the Lions that – okay, anyways, well, whatever. I mean, he was on the Lions, but I think he retired. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, he played a long time. Um an absolutely massive human being. I think he's, he's like six foot five, three hundred and fifty pounds. But if you look at him uh, in his prime, or even just toward the end of his career, he he didn't he didn't have like a belly. He just he looked like a fucking superhero. He just had that perfect V shape as far as like his upper body, and he was so powerful, so strong, so quick. And he uh, apparently he could dunk a basketball and like all that kind of stuff. He's Super athletic, but beyond that, he was an uh, just a massive impact player for those great Ravens defenses. Um, and even at the end of his career with the Lions, when he was in his mid to late thirties, he was a, a, a stalwart, just the type of guy that would shut down the run and rush the passer. And to be honest, to have a guy with that kind of size and that kind of athleticism coming at you as a quarterback. I don't know how anyone didn't just immediately fall down into the fetal position and shit their pants. Cause that's exactly what I would have done. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the guy is a great, I don't know what else you can say other than he's just a freak. Three was. 10 pounder. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Just beast giant um, built like a grizzly bear. Um, he could do everything you ever wanted him to do in any system. He, I, that was the thing. I think he, he fit any system and, uh, he just happened to be on a great defense with those, you know, those other amazing Ravens like Ed Reed and, you know, tail end of his career, Ray Lewis, but still, yeah, I mean, he was, uh, he was one, he was maybe their best player at one point, uh, on the defensive side, which says a lot. So he was pretty great. But uh, we'll go ahead and move on, and uh, we'll bring on my number nine. I have Vince Wilfork of the uh, Patriots and then Texas. Oh, man. Mr. I Bibbs, have... Mr. Bibbs <laughs> Wilfork. Mr. Bibbs, yes, sir. Yeah, uh, I, I don't have a lot of nose tackles. In fact, I think he might be the only true nose tackle on my list, which makes me upset because I, I love nose tackles. You know, they're, they're always the biggest dudes, and obviously I can I can relate to that. But um, unfortunately, like I had said with Casey Hampton, being a nose often means that statistically your numbers just don't match up with other guys. And uh, Will Fork is one of the rarities in that his impact jump would jump off the film. And, you know, he, was, he made interceptions. He forced fumbles. In fact – he forced maybe the greatest fumble in NFL history when he drove – who was it? Uh, oh, God. Can't think of the guy's name, but he was the guard for the Jets. He drove him back so hard that Mark Sanchez ran into him and did the butt fumble. <laughs> That's going to be such an iconic play, you know, just it for is. decades to come. For sure. It's – it's to me, it's right up there with like the catch with the Niners back in the eighties. Like it's uh, it's it's up there with with all of those, you know, iconic plays. The butt fumble ranks among them, really high for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, Will Fork was an absolute wrecking machine for the Patriots, and uh, you know. He he was so big, and yeah, he, he had the belly. And all. What's that? He two gapped. He oh yeah yeah. I mean he so 
he would destroy blockers to the point where he could get in the backfield and make plays, blow up running plays, make the pass rush. I mean, he was – he's hard to describe. He was so amazing, even at his size. Uh, he was a playmaker, and the Patriots would have been a lot less without him. And, um, yeah, he, he was great. So I, I have him on my number nine. That's a really good choice. I think so, too. <laughs> um, my number nine is Geno Atkins of the Bengals. Ooh. Yeah, he didn't quite make my list, but obviously he's one of those uh, current players who probably – I should have up there. He's been playing a long time. He's great. Uh, what were your reasons for picking him? Um, one, his size says that he shouldn't be playing where he's – well, he shouldn't be as good as he is. He's very oh, tiny for uh, a D-tackle, an inside lineman. Mm-hmm. But he's just so fast and so powerful. Another similar um, comparison would be Aaron Donald. You know, yeah. Like, I feel like their physiques are very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, and he's just been doing it at a high level for, I'm not even sure how many years he's been in the league now, but just the whole time he's been in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a generational type talent, and it's just an absolute fucking shame that he plays for the Bengals. <laughs> it's a shame anyone plays for the Bengals. Oh, my God, A.J. Green, all those years of him being that top talent, wasted because he had Andy Dalton, the red rifle, throwing to him. You look on the defensive side, and there's Geno Atkins, just a, a Hall of Fame-esque player, and he gets to win exactly zero playoff games because he plays for Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's really nothing much you can say. I mean, if you're a Jets, Browns, Cincy fan, I don't know what to say for you. Other than just jump ship, abandon ship immediately. Get the fuck out. The building is on fire. But I feel like there's no new fans for those clubs. It's all pre-existing fans from an era that none of us were alive in. And you're already devoted enough to where there's no reason to. I mean, you're down with the ship. You've already gone down. As far as you can sink, honestly, it might, I guess at this point you just have to make like the captain of the Titanic and and just go down with the ship. Oh man, especially them Jets. Gosh dang. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, <laughs> moving on. Um, I'll have you go ahead and talk about your number eight. All right, cool. Um, another Cowboys player, Bob Lilly. Ooh, Bob Lilly. Yeah, he was great. Uh, did now correct me if I'm wrong. Did he not win the MVP of Super Bowl five, even though they lost? Yep. That's uh, that that is an unbelievable statistic to have, or, or you know, I mean, like to be the MVP of the Super Bowl at defensive tackle, and your team lost. Um. Another crazy statistic is that in his 14 years, he never missed a game. Yeah, I, he was a fucking stud forever. Uh, yeah, he's. I think that's a great choice, putting him on the list for sure. Um, I, I don't know how people are as durable, but yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I, durability goes the longest way in rankings for me, other than yeah. Sean Taylor, because. Not really much of his choice. Right. But um, I feel like it's the most important factor because if you can't be on the field, then you're no good to anyone. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the truth. Um, yeah, I, look, he was obviously an Iron Man. Uh, and, again, playing defensive line in those days when people were just allowed to beat the shit out of each other with zero repercussions. Um that, that it speaks volumes just to how tough he was. Uh, and he's arguably, I say arguably, could still be considered the greatest cowboy to ever play. So it, I, it, it, that's obviously a big statement considering the success they've had. Did um, So he also has an NFL record for the longest sack. 
and it yeah, came in, I knew that. Was it? it was in, it? Yeah, it came against Bob Greasy of the Dolphins. <laughs> yes, Bob Greasy just keeps running the wrong way. For some reason, this Hall of Fame Bob Greasy just keeps going the absolute fucking wrong way, and he loses like forty yards or something. Twenty-nine yard sack. Can you imagine? Oh my God, no! I would if if I was a Dolphins fan at that time, I would lose my shit. I would die. I'd have a conniption. I don't even know. Like I'd been too winded to even get twenty-nine yards down the field. <laughs> Like, how do you not throw the fucking ball away? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's neither here nor there, but it's pretty funny. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he definitely deserves to be on the list, and uh, I think uh, that's a good pick. All right, your number eight, yeah. My number eight is uh, a bear, Mr. Dan Hampton, Hall of Famer. Oh, man. Pick. Yeah. Technically, I think you could fit him in as a DN, but he played a little bit of both, and – uh in that 80 with the 46 defense that he was playing, he was essentially a glorified defensive tackle. Um, and you know, his numbers might not necessarily back him up as far as sacks and all that kind of stuff, but he was a great pass rusher. Uh, but mostly what he did was, was allow the other great pass rushers, guys like obviously Richard Dent, Otis Wilson, uh, Wilbur Marshall. He allowed for those guys to get in behind him by taking up a ton of blockers and just, he was a wrecking machine in his own right. He was, uh, he would wreak havoc in the backfield constantly. He played a long time, even with his busted ass knees, which apparently were just horrible. He had to get them drained like two or three times a game, pregame, halftime, and then after the game. <laughs> yeah. Aren't those, I've never had my knee drained, but aren't the needles like ridiculously large? Yes. Yeah, it, it sounds horrible. I probably have needed to get my knee drained, but yeah, I've never had that done either. But it's it sounds just awful. <laughs> I could use it around my waistline. Yeah, can we can we get some drainage in my gut? That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, Dan Hampton, my uh, my Hall of Fame bear, and uh, yeah, I got him on the list. Uh, what? Really good pick. Yep. Number seven, uh, Alex. My number seven uh, is another tweener, a little bit, a uh, little DN, little DTAC, a little bit of both. Um, I have Howie Long. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. Obviously, one of the best defensive linemen uh, via any position of all time. Uh, and also his genes are amazing. We've already kind of talked about him because you had him on your DN list. Um, yeah, he's he was a beast. He was one of the main reasons why those Raiders teams were really, really good in the 80s. And uh, the flat top, goddamn that flat top is just fantastic. That thing will live on and for generations to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's immortal. Like He's going to be dead, but you could go and uh, dig up his body and it will still be have a perfect flat top just right there. The rest of them would just be a skeleton. But It's almost a shame that um, his boys won't grow one. Right. <laughs> Especially Kyle. He's completely bald. <laughs> uh, yeah, Howie Long, man. I, we covered most of it previously. But that guy, just he was just a minister of defense on the field. Like He ripped every blocker apart. Mm-hmm. I feel like he he could almost he could have played linebacker. I feel if he had a little yeah. a little more wheels, but yeah, like he, he could have. He was athletic enough for sure. He was just he was so big and strong. And his IQ was just off the charts. And yeah, yeah, he shows that every day. Whenever he's the uh, an analyst for Fox now, man, he's so good. He is. He's just. It's hard not to like Howie Long. In all honesty, unless you just absolutely hated the Raiders back in the day, which is entirely possible because they forced a lot of people to hate them. But um, uh, yeah, that's my guy. All right. Well, I have Ernie Stautner of the Steelers. Oh wow! Nice, nice pick. Yep. I tried to I tried to throw throw back, you know, to the beginning of um the old National Football League. The best I can yeah. do is 
Um, two-time Super Bowl champ, nine-time Pro Bowl, one, one All-Pro. Um, I can't even think of the coach's name now. How terrible am I? Anyways, Ernie Stauntner, man. That dude was a monster. Um, he was another two-gapper. Um, and for anyone that isn't aware of what two-gap means, so a lot of times you're assigned a, a, a gap. Like your A, you got A's alongside the center, B's alongside the guards, C, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, when you call two-gap, that means you're in control of, like, say, um, both A gaps or the A and B gaps. So that means you, you're, on, you're not only taking on um, the guard. You may take the guard and center on, so you have to fight through a double team. And sometimes you get triple team just because of your two-gap, and obviously you're there. So you're going to maintain that gap. You're not going to look upfield to make the big play. You're going to be a shutdown um, front line. Basically, you're just going to stop any kind of run that's going to penetrate through that hole. Yep, you're the stop gap. It's uh, I'm very familiar with it. That was the only role I was ever any good at just because I was huge. All right. And that was probably a rant that wasn't needed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I I think that's uh I think that's good to explain that kind of thing because for a casual football fan, you know, especially someone who never played on the D line, that's when you say things like that, it, I mean it it sounds so uh it's something I hear all the time because I'm just I'm such a football nerd that I'm plugged into that kind of thing. But you know, the average football fan's probably like, "Well, you know, I know about uh, quarterbacks, and uh, everything else is nothing." So I, I get that. I think it's it's good to have a little bit of an explanation, a little bit in depth, to provide reasoning for why you know, because like we said. Defensive tackles just in general aren't going to get a lot of the statistics, and that's one of the big reasons why is so many of them have to use that sort of technique uh, as far as that's what their role is, to just be that stopgap and uh, allow your linebackers to make plays. It's, I mean, it's an unsung position, that's for sure, and that's exactly it's, what it is. It's for the, the people behind you in defense to make the plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know it's an it's it's very it's very reminiscent of the offensive line. Obviously, most offensive linemen don't get a whole lot of high praise just because there's not stats for great offensive linemen play. Um, but you know those running backs and those quarterbacks they get to put up the big numbers. You know, there's one major reason usually, and it's because of great offensive line play. Uh, and the same could be uh, said for the great linebackers that we've already talked about, like you know, Brian Urlacher or, uh, you know, Ray Lewis. Hell, Brian Urlacher, his first couple of years in the league, got to play behind Keith Trailer and Ted Washington, those two giant fucking Mack trucks in front of him. So he never had to face a blocker for like three straight years. Another part, just a really quick hit on it, is as a D-tackle, sometimes you'll almost be forced to play an offensive lineman and you will you will actually hold – the interior linemen so they stay off of your your backers. Now it's yeah, technically it, illegal, but you keep your hands in, elbows mm-hmm. in, and a lot of times you won't get caught. It's rare to see that get called in a game. Uh, most of the time you see holding, it's usually in the defensive backfield. But on those rare occasions, you will see one of those interior linemen get called for holding because they're grabbing a guy and he's trying to pull or something like that. And, that's always it's, kind of jarring. It's, it's incredibly important, though, because you get a line, an O line on a linebacker, and hell's going to break loose really fast. Yeah, it could it could go from a you know a three yard gain to a thirty eight yard gain real quick. But yeah, uh, I think that was a good pick. Uh, I can't again. I can't really argue with it. Um, we'll just go ahead and move along. And who do you got next? Alan Page of the Vikings and the Bears. Ooh. Nice. That's a great pick. Um, Alan Page, you talk about an undersized defensive tackle and a guy who kind of reinvented the position. Um, he, he was one of the first great pass rushing defensive tackles. And he was only about at his heaviest. The, the estimate was he was only about 230 pounds, which is just insane. Um, but he was so fast and you know, he's, Defensive player to win MVP. 
And there's, there, I think there's only been two so far. So he's, I think that should say a lot about him. Yeah, he also came out of Notre Dame, which I'm starting to think in the early days, that's where every football player came from. Yeah, no, it was Notre Dame, and then after that, it was uh, <laughs> it was Miami, and now it's fucking Alabama. <laughs> oh, that's just crazy. Yeah, he was small. Well, I mean, he was 6'4", though. I mean, that's not small. Yeah, yeah plenty of height, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it, at 220, 230 pounds up against those behemoths on the offensive line, for him to still make an impact and, and play for as long as he did, he played a long, long time. Four or 16 uh, years. Yeah, he, you know, that, I, I think it just speaks volumes to just how amazing a player he was. Yeah, he's a beast. But I'm tired of naming Bears players, so we need to get to the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> yeah, because once we get there, it'll, it'll be pretty slim pickings. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, also he's a judge. Uh, or I, I think he might be retired now, but he, he was – once he retired from the league, he became a judge. That's incredible. Yeah, it, just a truly dedicated human being, just uh, hardworking and, and uh, one of my all-time favorites, you know, even though he played forever for the Vikings. Um, just, uh, yeah, I, he's awesome. Right. Um, so I'll go ahead and bring up my number six. I have Aaron Donald. Oh, all right. There's a familiar yeah. face for some people. <laughs> he should be at this point. If you follow the NFL and you don't know who Aaron Donald is, then fucking shame on you. Cause he's probably pound for pound or just, just all around the best defender in the NFL right now. He's just, uh, he's an absolute fucking stud. Um, Stefan Gilmore entered the conversation. Yeah. Well, after last night when he got, he got kind of beat up by DK Metcalf. That stuff on the sideline was crazy. That was nuts. How are you going to pick a fight with a guy who's that much bigger than you and also, like, all his friends are right there? <laughs> yeah. Well, in his defense, though, DK swung at him when he first come out. And then yeah. and then Gilmore just kind of stood there and let the play happen. And then all of a sudden, like, he was turned, and then DK kind of just drove him into the bench. So, so uh Stefan kind of gave the old jujitsu hip throw to him in the sideline, and that's kind of what happened. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a, that was a fun matchup. But yeah, uh, as far as Aaron Donald goes, um, you know, in today's NFL, you don't see a whole lot of uh, defensive tackles playing under three hundred pounds, and uh, Aaron Donald has done that. You know, he came out from Pittsburgh, or yeah, from Pitt. And he was uh, about 285, but he's, he's at two. Right what's that? He's 280 right now. Yeah, and at, at that size, with his height, he's only about 6'1". Um, you, you wouldn't necessarily expect the kind of speed that he possesses, but he's got speed for days. Uh, his pass rush moves are insane. His hands. He, he's, oh, my God, his hands. He's so quick. He's And, and then – I think people kind of underestimate his power because of his size, but when he gets his claws into a guard and pushes them back, like there's nothing they can do. Leverage is real. <laughs> and that's why I reference him with the Geno Act. They're, they're similar in that. Yeah. That stance. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, I, I can't recall any other defensive tackles uh, getting 20 sacks in a season, let alone multiple times. And that's, that's Aaron Donald. Like he's, he is an unstoppable force when he's on his game. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I can honestly say I wanted the Bears to take him uh, in the draft. I thought he was going to be a stud. And then it came down to it, and the Rams had the pick right before the Bears, and they scooped him up. And, uh, yeah, that, that angered me a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, their picks shouldn't be angering you anymore. Well – it wasn't necessarily the pick that they didn't, you know what I mean? It's like one pick away from getting him. And the talk was the Bears were going to take him if he was there. So, Well, they should have just traded up and took him like they did with the Niners when they got their quarterback. Hey, fuck, because that would actually make sense to do. <laughs> okay, enough about my Bears misery. Uh, who, who, let's see, that was my I think number. You're six. on your number five now, right? 
I'll go ahead and we're in the top five now. This is where shit gets real. I've got John Randall, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings. Wow. Okay. Yep, another undersized defensive tackle, a pass rusher extraordinaire, um, a guy who like he was constantly, especially in the '90s, when you're facing off against guards who back in those days were all like 330 pounds. Uh, Larry Allen and those types of guys, just maulers. It, it didn't matter. You still had to double team. Just he had so much speed, and you know, again, that leverage. Just he would maul people and take them all the way back to the backfield and destroy running backs, destroy quarterbacks. He was a problem for anyone that ever had to play against him. And my Bears had to play against him twice a year. So it actually had him listed at 290. I didn't realize him and Aaron Donald were that close in size. I don't think they were. And I think they inflated uh, his size because the estimates on him that I've always seen were that he was closer to like 260, maybe even 270, but. Okay. Um, I'm just I always use pro football reference because they seem to be the most credible. But anyways, they had him at 290, which is really close. Yeah, I think coming out of college, he wasn't even 250. And uh yeah that's nuts. It's it's absolutely insane to think that a guy of that size could make it as a defensive tackle, especially, you know, again in the nineties, running was still king in the nineties. Um and everybody wanted to have the biggest offensive linemen so they could move. And then you wanted to have the biggest defensive tackles so you could stop that push. But, you know, John Randall was so good that he bucked that trend. And I think he kind of opened the door again, kind of like Alan Page did back in the 70s, for some smaller guys. Yep. Great player, for sure. Yeah, great. Uh, so who do you have at number five? Mean Joe Green. You have Mean Joe at number five, huh? I do. Wow. Uh, explain yourself. Well, I mean, the only reason he's that high is because he makes great commercials. <laughs> wow. Shots fired across the bow. Somebody call an ambulance. Tyler Dojon taking down Mean Joe Green. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't need to list the last names in case it gets, it gets out, you know. Oh <laughs> uh, no! I mean, he was part of that steel curtain. Um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, the guy apparently is a gentle giant off the field. Yeah. Uh, he's just part of that menacing steel curtain, which I think we've labeled or we've listed every single player on the defense now. <laughs> Close to it, yeah. It's uh, there's a reason though that they were amazing, and Joe Green was the uh, the foundation, and uh, yeah, I, fuck, it, it's hard to argue against him being on the list. I, I would argue that he needs to be higher, and we will find out later where I have him. Well, that's how I felt about your other pick, or your previous one in John Randall. Yeah, I'm going to dispute it. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and move up. Who do you have at your number four? Merlin Olsen. Ooh, big Merlin. 14 yeah, times. He was, yeah, he was amazing. Uh, he was also amazing on uh, Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, he's an amazing actor. Um, <laughs> for I don't know. For any of you guys that don't know Merlin Olsen, you should really check into him because um, I believe his jersey number was 74, which was mine too. Oh, there we go. <laughs> and that's going to make every difference in your play. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was a beast. That fearsome foursome defensive line for the Rams in the 60s and 70s. Uh, you know, Deacon Jones, Merlin Olsen. It, like, just those two alone should have been enough. But, uh, I mean, Merlin – he definitely got a lot more attention because of his ability to act and all that kind of stuff. But I think that kind of took away from his, his accomplishments on the field. He was dominant for a long, long time. Um, his Pro Bowl every year he played, except for his final year. 
Yeah, he's just an absolute stud. Um, yeah, I, I can't argue against him. So, all right. Yep, uh, my number four was actually already mentioned. I have Bob Lilly at number four. Okay. Yeah, there's not a whole lot we can really hit on more with him. Again, you know, he, he played before sacks were a statistic and all that kind of stuff. But, um, it, it, you know, just to reiterate, he won the MVP of Super Bowl five while his team lost. It's just unreal. Like, if he did nothing else his entire career, that should put him on the list. But, of course, he also happened to have a, a Hall of Fame one of the best careers a defensive tackles ever had uh, and was a key, absolute key to the, some of those Tom Landry great defenses. And uh, yeah, I've got him on here for a reason. Um, just, just, to, uh, so he actually wasn't the MVP. Oh, he wasn't. I thought he was. No, it was Chuck Holly. Oh shit. Yep. That's that guy. Okay. Yeah. So, my bad. No, it's cool. I do it all the time. <laughs> it's just, you know, I get all those white people confused. Yeah, there's not too many of them to go around, so. <laughs> I, game. I retract all of my previous statements. Bob Lilly's no longer on the on the top there. No, no, no. He's he was still an amazing player. Um, just a dominant player forever. And uh, yeah, I've got him on here. So. Yeah, great player. Um, yep. Cowboys suck. Yep. Yes, they do. Fuck the Cowboys forever and always. Uh, okay. So I'll go ahead and bring up my number three. It is Warren Sapp. Nice. Don Gruden Warren Sapp. Not that, that Raider Warren Sapp. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Even with the Raiders, he did have a couple of seasons with, I think, double-digit sacks. So, um, you know, but still, yeah, obviously the uh, the Tampa version of Warren Sapp is the one that we're talking about. He was arguably the most dominant defensive tackle of his time, and that speaks volumes because John Randall played at the same time as well. Um, but Warren Sapp was – he was too fast for a person that was his size. And I, I don't know what his official size ended up being, but I think he was Six, about two, three, three. Yeah. He, so, I mean, he was, he had the perfect size you're looking for, for a defensive tackle. And he also had that speed, that strength, that aggression, that, uh, that, that other quality, that, that edge to him. And, uh, yeah, well, I mean, he was I, mean I think as far as his speed helps, didn't he, um, didn't he enter college, or wasn't he a running back or fullback? He was a tight end. Well, I know he entered college as a tight end. Then he went to D end. Then he went to D tackle. Correct. Yeah. So from from watching his football life, he was recruited to Miami as a tight end. They got him there, and then uh, obviously he played both ways in high school. They decided to put him in on the D line. And then they said, okay, well, sorry, man, you're no longer catching passes because this is where you need to be. Um, and he ended up taking, do you know who, whose uh, starting spot he took due to injury in college? Yeah. On what side of the ball on defense? <sighs> I've heard it. I'm trying to think. Anyways, I, I can't remember. It'd be one Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Huh. Yeah, the Rock got hurt. I think it was his senior year. He was finally going to get a chance to start. He got hurt, and Warren Sapp came in, and he never gave up that spot. No. I don't think anyone could take that spot from Sapp. No, not even the Rock, the greatest he entertainer. Was he was a mean player. Oh, yeah. He, did. he put up. He was just such a force in the middle forever for Tampa Bay. Um, one of my all-time favorite highlights is him picking up Chester uh, – oh, Christ, what was his name? Chester Taylor, I think, the running back for the uh, Ravens, just picked him up and slammed him on his head. And, just, and they have it in perfect slow-mo, so it's just 
you see all of the devastation. He's uh, a true force to be reckoned with and uh, a motor mouth machine. The guy never shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, never. even when he was, uh, you know, talking with coaches. Right. Like, <laughs> talking with his infamous blindside block on the uh, against the Packers. Yeah, if it hadn't happened against the Packers, I think I would have been like just completely mortified. Like fuck the Packers forever, and him getting in Mike Sherman's face. He says, "Put a jersey on. You think you're tough? Put a jersey on." I mean, if you're gonna talk the game, and some someone tells you to step up, I mean. <laughs> You kind of gonna be looking like a, a little a little child, little bitch. <laughs> I mean, you can't confront someone and then they're ready and then you just keep talking. <laughs> Especially yeah, with one, like you know, I don't know why you would run your mouth to him to begin with. Some of my favorite uh, NFL films highlights are, are Warren Sapp and uh, Brett Favre, John back at each other. That's always fun. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen any of them. Oh, really? Oh, man. This, now, that's got to go look up. Hmm. Yeah, they're, they're talking shit to each other all the time. Apparently, they were really good friends just because they were so competitive with one another. And Sap was uh, – he had a lot of respect for Favre's ability to constantly just take the punishment Sap would put on him. <laughs> gosh, he did it so – oh, my gosh. I think people forget before the uh, the divisions and all the realignment that happened in 2002, the Bucks were in the Central Division with the Bears and the Packers and all those guys. So, yeah, we we with the Bears had to see him twice a year for a long time, and then also obviously the Packers had to see him twice a year, and so there was a lot of uh, a lot of good rivalry there. Yeah, that's a really strong choice. I like it. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, well, who do you have next? Where am I at? Am I on number three? Um, I have Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald already at number three. I, You know, I, I can't argue against it, honestly. Uh, the only reason I have him a little lower is just, you know, he, he's only been playing for, what, like seven years. But, uh, I mean, it's hard to argue against his numbers. Yep, I mean, I don't see the dude quitting anytime soon. I hope not. I could be wrong. Um, right. I'm I'm sure if he was on my fantasy team right now or my 49ers, he would have been broken in half. But <laughs> seeing that he's not, he's safe for this year. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, he's a monster. Um, and he's working pretty hard to end up taking that number one spot. And I, I have faith that he'll end up doing it. Yeah, I agree. I think when it's all said and done, or even before said and done, I think he'll be there, kind of like a um, a Ray Lewis type situation, where yeah, where he's either arguably the number one or he's the clear cut before his career is over. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right. Well, my number two is Warren Sapp. Nice. Yeah, I think we talked about him. Yep. So there's really no no need to uh, reemphasize. Yeah, I mean, obviously, dominant player, Super Bowl champ. I mean, Hall of Famer. Uh, the only downside to him is uh, didn't he get arrested for prostitution with a 15-year-old or something? During, was it Super Bowl? No. It was his post-playing career. I thought he just didn't pay. Something like that. It, but uh, it was post his playing career. He he got in trouble for having sex with a 15 year old or something. I, I I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Okay. Well, the one I'm thinking was, I believe it was in Arizona Super Bowl week or whatever. And his uh, service providers, they felt that they were either um, underpaid or didn't get paid and raised a ruckus. And that's what happened. But I didn't hear that they were 15, unless that's a different. Yeah. Situation. I think there was a couple of different situations because uh, I think Warren Sapp just likes to uh, – I think he likes prostitutes. I think he just likes sex. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> without getting too far into the sexual habits of Warren Sapp, we'll go ahead and talk about my number two, who is a much better human being, uh, Alan Page. 
I knew that's what it had to be. <laughs> I wanted to put him at number one, um, but I ended up holding off. Uh, but yeah, Paige is my guy. I love that guy. I love watching the highlights. I, I wish I could have seen him play live. Um, but you know, if you can play defensive tackle in the seventies before they even had sacks and still get the MVP award, <laughs> yeah, I think that speaks volumes about the kind of the caliber of player he was. I mean, the guy is an absolute monster. Another yeah. Bears. No, of course. Yeah. Although uh, I I think mostly he was a Viking, but I, I like to think of him as a Bear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wouldn't you? So, also, he wore number eighty-eight and then eighty-two. So that's awesome. That's a that's that's a that's a Hall of Fame type number situation for a great. Why eighty-two? Just you know, to have the eighties and be a defensive tackle, you know, you definitely you don't see that, and that's fucking cool. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, back then they didn't have. I don't believe they had the regulations on the numbers, did they? I think they had some, but not nearly much. It's like seeing like John Hadel wearing the twenty-one throwing uh, throwing passes as quarterback. You just don't so, see that kind so of. There was a stipulation, but they just refined it since then. Yeah. Oh, they refined it a lot. They're they're really shitty about it. Like, do you remember when Reggie Bush came out of college and he wanted to wear number five as a running back and they just right. said no? Yeah. So you had to have a 20 through. 20 yeah. Through and he, he even said that he would donate all of the proceeds of his jersey sales that he got to charity and they were still like, nah, nah. You bro. know what? I don't even care because I don't like Reggie Bush since the Bush push. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it because fuck Notre Dame. Hey, did you know he played on my 49ers team all the couple games, and I was at his final NFL game when he tore his really? ACL in St. Louis? Oh, was he with the Niners when he did that? Yeah, me and Adam Book were there. And uh, anyways, oh god, that was uh, around that year for some reason with stadiums. There was a big ruckus along the sideline of like indoor stadiums. Yeah, concrete like against the uh, the stands. Anyways, I believe it was a return, a kick return. Yeah. And he got ran out of bounds, and he couldn't slow down, and he hit the concrete and then blew his knee out because he, you know, obviously hit the concrete and slid. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. That was rough. I I remember him going down. I'm like, well, there goes the knee. And (laughs) next thing I always see him going off the field. Damn. That sucks. That's cool that you were there. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. Well, we're kind of running out of time here, so let me just go ahead and get your number two. Uh, I already gave it. We're on number ones. Okay. All right. Well, I'll throw it out there. My number one, we already talked about him, Mean Joe Green. And, uh, yeah, we already talked about him, so I'll keep it brief. Uh, obviously, four-time Super Bowl winner. And I would posit he's the best player uh, on that steel steel curtain and uh, throughout that entire Steelers dynasty. Uh, the best player, their foundation, and uh, one of the truly amazing defensive tackles of, of any era uh, could play right now. Uh, yeah, give me some mean Joe. Yeah, he probably deserves it. Probably. Yep. Who do you have at number one? I have John Randall. Nice. Wow. Okay. That may just because of when I started watching football, and that may be an influence to it, but that's where I rank him. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue against John Randall being super high on anyone's list just because he was awesome. Um. Yeah, a force to be reckoned with. Uh, another one of those guys that kind of redefined a position. And, um, yeah, he's, fuck, you know, undersized. And uh, just against the against all odds, he was still one of the best pass rushers the league's ever seen. Yeah, he was, uh, he was, he was pretty cool, dude. Yeah, he's okay. great. Also, he makes for great uh, sound bites. Just all his crazy shit that he would do. His, his war paint. Yeah. One of my favorite things he ever did. <laughs> he, they were playing the Niners. And he's like, he's like, 
Hey, JJ, JJ Stokes, you related to JJ Walker? upcoming podcast i'm sure oh yeah well for sure like once we get to the receivers jj stokes you'd have a tough time arguing against him at number one well yeah we know who's gonna take that yeah probably uh jj stokes it's gonna be niner 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 it just it'll be jj stokes followed by brandon lloyd Yep, that's it. <laughs> Pierre Garcon for a couple of years there. Oh my gosh. Dude, that dude. Oh. Okay, anyways. <laughs> yeah, we're running short on time here, so I'll go ahead. And, uh, I'll just say that my list was better, and uh, your list sucks, so I'm sorry. Well, it does. They're all broken. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, anyway, I want to go ahead and throw it out there just real quick. Uh, I did end up beating you in fantasy, even though my team is ass. I don't care how many injuries you had. You still should have beat me just because I suck. Yeah, that's how the Jets fan feel against the Niners this week. I don't care how many injuries. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the, the Niners still did win. <laughs> a lot by a lot, which sucks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. How's that tank job going? That's bullshit. I, I see Trevor Lawrence just fading off into the distance. Well, they're not going to take Trevor Lawrence. They're going to take whoever the best defensive tackle is. It's going to be a Big Ten player. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll go ahead and shut this down. Um, thank you again for uh, indulging my top ten habits. Yep. I like it. You do a good job. Appreciate it. Uh, So we'll go ahead and close out now, and we'll say thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to tune in because we are finally done with defense. We'll be moving on to offense. Our next list will be uh, the best offensive lines of all time. And uh, after that, we'll get to the the crux of it with the fantasy-type players and, uh, you know, the guys that you draft, number one, and all that good stuff. So definitely don't miss it. Enjoy, everyone. Yep. Thank you and good night.